spatula city. We got metal spatulas. We got spatulas for your grill. We got plastic spatulas. We got spatulas for your when your spatula gets stuck and you need a spatula for your spatula. Welcome to None of This Is Real. It's a podcast about all things mysterious and weird. And whatever the hell else we feel like talking about. Everything under the sun. And I'm Doomsday Domini. And I'm Sarah Sinkhole. And together we will weird you out. You're welcome. Uh, we're not going to sing the whole time, though. Please don't turn this oh, off. Oh, no. We're not this is sing. not a musical it's podcast. It's not a mu- oh, my God. We should do an episode. <laughs> 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 it's a musical. No, we shouldn't. Everyone will stop listening. Well, we can warn you beforehand that it's. A, we'll give a trigger warning. Trigger <laughs> warning. We're going to sing a lot and badly about dumb shit. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. And it'll be all improvised. We're not going to write it ahead of time. Oh, hell no. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. It, plan. It's a plan. Well, did anything weird or mysterious happen to you over the last little bit? Hmm. It's been a while. Hmm. No, nothing really weird or mysterious. I watched my... Uh, one-year-old niece eat a lot of sand at the beach. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That's um, the human condition right there. It is. Oh, I just need some more sand. And then we were like, stop eating sand, Frankie. And we were sitting in like a pool that we had dug that was full of ocean water. And she's like, oh, okay. And then just bends over and starts like <laughs> slurping up sand water. We're like, or salt water. And we were like, no, 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 that's not any better. Oh, Jesus. Well, she's a Pisces. <sighs> is she? Yeah, I guess she is. Uh-huh. Yes, I ma'am. Forgot. That's why she's drinking salt water. She'll she, be that's, fine. It makes so much sense. <laughs> anyway. Um, let's, so that was more weird than mysterious. I I get it. You're, you're one. Everything goes in your mouth. I did make a mysterious noise that I've never made before while watching oh, good. Maria Bamford. We went to Durham to see Maria Bamford. Probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I love her and her brain so much, and I between covering my face, uh, wiping my tears, stomping my feet, and scream laughing, I also made a sound. I don't think I can even uh, replicate it, duplicate it, which is the right word. Um, both, I, both I, work. Okay. I can't replicate or duplicate it. I'm, I'll try. But I was trying to breathe, attempting to breathe, and... The air came out of my body so forcefully, I sounded like a goose. It, and I, I was like, is that, is that something? No, I can't do it. I can't even do it. I can't. But that's, have so to, that's I'll weird. To, I'll try to make you laugh hard enough, but usually usually I just get to the point of making you spit something out. I don't know yes, if I've, I've never, of- ever made you goose laugh, to my knowledge. No, I don't think anyone has ever made me goose laugh except for Maria Bamford. She's... I'm really jealous of Maria Bamford now. I'm, <sighs> I'm, I, she's my nemesis. Well, you just have to come up with a stand-up routine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and then do it okay. for me. Until you goose laugh, it is my um, wife's mission. Okay, all right. Let's let's maybe we'll do it on this episode. I'll do my very best. <laughs> I believe I believe on you. Okay, so Thank what you. what happened to you this week or last week? This isn't really mysterious either, but it's just it feels weird because it's very out of character for me and also quite shameful what I did. So Oh no. <laughs> Are you sure you want to tell every all the 12 listeners what you did? 
Yeah, I'll tell them. Okay. Turkey buzzards. Um, so I was watching this. I was scrolling through Instagram. Damn it, Instagram. And yeah, for real. I see a video. One of those like satisfying to watch kind of videos. And they have a big onion. And they have a thing that, that cuts up the onion like a onion cutting device, right? Oh, okay. They put it through that. And then they put this thing in a deep, uh, in a in a sauce, and then they put it in a deep fryer. And oh. I sent that to Jay, and I said, this is all I want now. <laughs> 30 minutes later, I kid you not, we're in the car on our way to a fucking Outback Steakhouse. Are you joking? You had to get a bloomin' onion because of an Instagram video. We both did. I was like half kidding, and then... Um, when I saw him a few minutes later, he was like, we're going to Outback, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're getting that bloomin' onion, right? Because daddy can't sleep now until he gets the bloomin' onion. You can't send me a picture or a video of a bloomin' onion and then say we have to eat, like, a salad for dinner. Have some tofu, honey. So, it's just, I don't, I don't eat like that, and I don't, I haven't been to a corporate restaurant in long long time and i don't know oh, you can't, Jay, you can't like, be ashamed of that <laughs> but i'm it mostly it was just it was so satisfying in the moment because it was nostalgic number one because i used to work at places like that right and we used to go to outback like me and my family would go to outback that was a occasion that was like a nice when you wanted to go out with the fam and like have a nice dinner that was outback oh man i don't th- i don't think we had a place like that there was a place in Louisville called doomy's pizza that's where we went mm, they were I the only place. place that served beer in town well, this was like so village tavern was the place but we did go to outback when it was like i think it would be like mark and marcia would be in town my aunt and uncle and like the you know a bigger group we would go to outback yeah, my mom is like, you know who I hear has a real good salad bar? Ruby Tuesdays. When did Ruby, she say that? Is this Ruby recent? Tuesdays. No, this was back in the day. Let's go, oh. get, go to the salad bar, Ruby Tuesdays. Because down here, I don't know if everybody knows, we don't say Tuesday, Wednesday. You say Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> and you don't say Asheville, it's Asheville. Asheville. I get so much shit from that from people from that. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's just how I speak. I can't help you. I'm going to Asheville on Tuesday. What do you want from me? <laughs> so, um, anyway, I felt so bad afterwards. It. I mean, we didn't even finish the whole thing, and we both ordered like the other the other thing we ordered was a healthy thing. Like it was a salad. They have the calories on the menu. I. It wasn't bad, but that damn onion <laughs> had me oh, messed listen. up for 24 hours. I, was... I I believe you because before any of uh, my, me or my sisters had any children, we used to, you know, have some parties and at my parents' house. And my parents are awesome. They're like my friends. So, you know, we would be drinking beer and hanging out. And one night my cousin Karis brought over her little deep fryer and we lost our minds with power we went mad with fry power because we and at the end of the night when we were all like oh my god what have we done i feel like i my blood has been replaced with grease Mm -hmm. 
and my dad, we had to physically stop my dad from trying to deep fry pieces of cake. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds so good. Why'd you say that? You guys <laughs> oh no, we so have high. to go to the fair now and eat some deep fried butter. Oh my god. I need to go to the Dixie Classic Fair this year, for real. I missed it last year. I was too busy working. We gotta go. Speaking of, you know they're gonna there's uh, talk about changing the name of the Dixie Classic Fair to, like, the Carolina Classic instead of Dixie. Taking that okay. Dixie off, because that Dixie's an old, shitty word. I'm down. I like the word Carolina much better. Carolina Classic! One time when we and went, the there alliteration. was... alliteration! It's... I love alliteration. Oh, my gosh. We went a couple of years ago, and there was uh, some animals you could ride, and they had, you know, horses and donkeys and whatever, and there was one trailer that said, Carolina Camel Rides, and we were like, first of all, no, because <laughs> where is a camel in North Carolina? Also, we decided it sounded like a sex move, and then we went home and drew diagrams. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Very inappropriate, obviously. Those poor camels, though. I don't support that. No. I saw something about how a circus in another country, forgive me, I can't remember where, obviously not this one, um, they were using holograms to have animal performers instead of oh. a real elephant. It was like a hologram elephant. That's cute. Yeah, I, I was like, that. that's kind of cool. I think holograms are more exciting than, who's everybody's seen an elephant. Let, let the elephant be, please. Yeah. Let's see. What are we talking about today? Well, do you want to give a little intro? I'll give a little intro. A I, 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 a little tease. I'm going to tease y'all. Um, <laughs> we're talking about works of art, I guess you could call them, huh? Yeah. Um, They're very artistic. Texts with text that have a mysterious origin and, and mysterious meaning, too, actually. Sort yeah. of. So, like, mysterious artistic texts and works that people are still not sure of their meaning and origins and things like that. Yeah? Yeah. I think there's lots of theories, and there's a whole documentary about uh, my subject that is, uh, you should totally watch it. Oh, totally but first, know. first I want to read a review that we got. That's right. That's right. Let's yes, hold off on this whole doing the thing we came to do and i, I want to hear this review because i'm well, super excited we got on the rails we got back on the rails for a second now i'm just gonna knock us the fuck back off knock me for, off sister. it's for a good reason it's a good derailment um all right so this touched my heart and my butt and i loved it um it's it's <laughs> from a listener named katie in canada I'm just going to cry. Just kidding. I had a burp. Are you really um, going to cry? I thought you were going to. No, I had to burp. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> you don't make me cry. You make me burp. Katie says, you hilarious, first of all. Thank you. High praise. Hil hilarious. You ladies actually have me laughing out loud sometimes. I relate to the part where you talk about those guys in high school with their pimped out Hondas with the bass that would make your ears rattle. Like, can we just smoke this blunt and go? I'm dying with like four geez so she's really dying i hope you're not dead katie. no just i hope you're just laughing really hard and that you're alive and well katie thank, thank you, so, you much. so much that is that makes me feel so good like it's nice to get feedback like i said i'll take feedback even if it's as long as it's like constructive criticism i'll take that too 
But to call me hilarious, she, she can mean, keep that coming. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna leave constructive criticism, just email us. If you have something really really nice to say, leave her a five star review. <laughs> yes, revi- the reviews ask. and the that's all we ask. The reviews and the ratings really do help other people find us. Other other Canadians. Oh, and I don't know. I, we talked about this already, you and I. But I just think this is too funny not to mention. I saw that we were on the comedy charts in Luxembourg last week, and yeah. I just want to give a shout out to my Luxembourgians. Is that what you say? <laughs> shout out! Thanks, y'all. Thank you for that. That was pretty cool. I think we were like what? thirty-eight on the comedy That's charts. Amazing. I that is more higher than I ever uh, hoped we could get in Luxembourg. So thanks a lot. Also, I hear you're the second richest country in the on the planet, so you know, you can take a look at our Patreon if you feel like. <laughs> yeah, we're worldwide. We're soaring high like a turkey buzzard. Oh man, we are riding that thermal to glory. Thermal <laughs> to glory. It's the new Bon Jovi single. <laughs> Where'd he come from? I thought he stopped making music a long time ago. No, we inspired him. He's been listening to the podcast. Oh, Bon Jovi. Thank you so much, Bon John Jovi. John Jovi. Okay, bon now John we've Jovi. really, we're now just pulling things out of our ass. So if you want to go to tell us about your thing, I'm, I'm going to sit back with a CBD joint and I'm going to listen. All right. Well, I am going to tell you all about... The Toynbee Tiles. Excited. All right. All right. Here we go. God, oh, my God. Us. What was that? That was a really bad radio voice. Okay. <laughs> so my sources are uh, resurrect the dead, resurrectdead.com, toynbeeidea.com, weburbanist, herbo, NPR, and, of course, Wikipedia. What just happened? <laughs> it's... None of this is real. The musical. God, it's gonna it's it's gonna happen one of these days, whether you people want it or not. Okay. So I want to start off by recommending the documentary I spoke of earlier. It came out in 2011 called Resurrect Dead: The Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles. It's really cool. I want to say I watched it pretty soon after it came out, and there was a lot of at that point there was a lot more in the documentary than I had found on the internet, and it. It's very informative and entertaining and very well made, if, if I do say so myself, because I am a film critic and director and cinematographer myself. JK. And an artist. I'm talking about. You are an artist, though, for real, though. That's, that's true. I do make art. All right. So, the Toynbee tiles. Are they graffiti, guerrilla propaganda, outsider art, or all three? Uh, The further I went down this rabbit hole and the more tiles I read, the more I am inclined to think that the Tyler might be very creative, but also a little bit disturbed, maybe? The Tyler. Yes, I'm going to refer to the anonymous artist as the Tyler throughout this. I'll get to the disturbing part later, because, duh, there's always a disturbing part when we talk about stuff, apparently. But first, uh, uh, a description of the tiles, the message, the methods, and the theories. So here we go. The first tiles were probably laid around 1985, and those are referred to as old style tiles. There are 150 of those that were laid from 85 to 2001 in 
25 cities in the United States and South America. Um, since 2001, there are around 300 new style tiles that have appeared in or near Philadelphia and a small number outside of Philadelphia. So as far as I can tell, and you know, I didn't look at every single possible thing, so there might be one somewhere, I could not find a comprehensive list of the tiles because some of them are gone. Some city governments have decided they are vandalism and they removed them. And there also have been reports of people removing them to preserve them as art and maybe probably to sell them because everybody's trying to get that money. And a, some of them have also been worn away just from walking because they're in the they're in the road, so people mm-hmm. walk and drive on them. So they're yeah. like cemented into the regular walkways in these mm-hmm. cities. Yes, I'll tell you exactly how that happens in just a minute. Ooh. Uh, mm. Or how they, I guess, think it happens. I don't know. I guess people have taken them apart and checked out exactly how they were laid. So, um, and some of them are also copycats, which is, I think, really cool. I want to make some. I want to copycat something. You can copycat me, because I'm so cool. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. All right. (laughs) So... I personally have seen a Toynbee tile, and I took a picture of it, which Where? I will post in New York City. I think it was 2015, 2014, maybe. We went for a business trip for Lorenzo. And, and you called he... me. Yes, I called you because I had all these big plans to, like, go everywhere. I'm going to see the museum and the library and everything. I'm going to go all these places. All I did the entire time was walk around and look at people. I think I went into two stores and some restaurants. But otherwise, that's all I did. And thank goodness, because I don't think I would have seen that Toynbee tile if I hadn't just walked around the whole time. Um, and I did take a picture, which I will post if I didn't already just say that. But it was one of the best parts of my trip, besides seeing my beautiful friend Christian and some really, really, really good people watching, obviously. It's the best. So I took that picture while I was standing in an intersection and getting honked at by a taxi cab. So you already knew about the Toynbee tiles. You had seen the documentary and then you yes, accidentally and then stumbled upon one in New York. Yes, it was very, very exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so the early tiles were plain white rectangles of linoleum about the size of a license plate with the standard message going something like this. Toynbee idea in Kubrick's 2001 Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. And the one I saw said that's exactly what it said, and it was red and white, very simple. I think it was one of the earlier ones. Yeah, the one I saw said pretty much exactly that, and it was pretty worn away, so if it had extra text on the side, like some of them do, I did not, I couldn't read it. So you saw so one there, of the originals. I think I did, yeah. I'll, I'll post a picture, and if anybody knows whether or not it was an original, if anybody, if there's a Toynbee expert out there. Let me know. So there are occasional variations, and on the side, there will be, like, some extra words carved in. And those extra words are pretty interesting, and then sometimes get a little, a little yucky. So it'll say, Toynbee idea in Kubrick's 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. A real resurrection is easy and proved by caveman's first of genus tools. That's what I read. I couldn't read it clearly so it's hard to um something about caveman's tools okay okay sure why not every concept of the past 500 years don't exist in christian heaven they only exist in christian hell so i don't know how to respond to that 
I don't either. A lot of them are, yeah. Here's one that you can respond to. Okay. You must make and glue tiles. You! Oh, I must. I will, That I can get with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I really do want to make one. We should make one about the podcast. <laughs> It'd be like guerrilla marketing. Let's make a none of this is real tile. Toynbee tile. Let's do it. All right. Uh, other variations include, I am only one man, and when I caught a fatal disease, they gloated over its death. A lot of grammar Oops. issues that I'm not sure exactly what you're trying to say, Tyler. Come on, Tyler. Come on, Tyler. Get it together. His name is Tyler Toynbee. <laughs> Hi, I'm Taylor Toynbee. Okay. <laughs> you must lay tiles alone. Only hellion ideas are allowed to survive. All other movements are destroyed. Okay, that you, that still includes our podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we got hellion ideas. I'm not doing it alone, though. We're doing it together. That's true. Well, we'll have to just close our eyes and pretend we're alone while we lay the tiles. You may lay tile alone as hellions, or you must lay tile alone as hellions and feds infiltrate and harvest you to prison. Or as hellions join up en masse and give you beatings. They harvest you to prison? Yes, that is the language, that is the words. I am just reading what I read. Got it. Now, got it, got it. Now Galileo's cult of the hellion is now searching for super hell. Hell beyond hell. As Toynbee says, more than one hell to get more reward. So a lot of questions on that one. What is Galileo's cult? And how do I join? (laughs) I need to know because I've been looking for a cult and that one sounds right up my alley. Is it an internet cult? Sign me up. I'm in yeah also what's super hell because if that is a thing hell beyond hell super hell i feel like we're living in it (laughs) (laughs) okay so hell beyond hell sounds fun and here's where the disturbing shit comes in so forgive me like i said i'm just reading the rants of an apparent paranoid butthole you must lay tiles alone as communist media and jews are against it oh no always anymore Always, I know, when I hadn't read anything about the Jews in the previous, and I don't think they talk about that angle on the in the uh, documentary. Maybe I'm wrong. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Correct me, please, if I'm wrong. Um, only you're allowed to, turkey buzzards. You're the only people allowed to correct me. Um, so please <laughs> do. I don't like that angle, and I'm not sure. It's just, uh, that, I, why? Why always the Jews? They're just here hanging out trying to live. They don't give a shit about your tiles. All right. Here's another one that's really not so great. Hitmen from Venezuela and Cuba failed to murder me twice. Uh, So they got a faggot cell to murder my mother. What? Why are these tiles becoming violent? I don't know. Those are the two that were the worst. Uh, Actually, wait. There is a manifesto tile that's the biggest one with the most words. Uh, I'm going to call it the motherload tile. (laughs) okay because it gets also pretty weird and i'll read it to you i guess it is located at 16th and chestnut in philadelphia if you guys want to go out and look at it and there's more jew talk so get ready all right john knight owner of the philadelphia inquirer hellion jew who's hated this movement's guts for years takes the money from the mafia to make the mafia look good in his newspapers so he has the mafia in his back pocket John Knight sent the mafia to murder me in May 1991. Then there's some unreadable text. Journalists of all them, journalists, all of them, gloated to my face about my death, and Knight writers 
great pow Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. In fact, John Knight went into hellion binge of joy over Knight Ritter's great power to destroy. I secured house with blast doors and fled the country in June 1991. NBC attorneys, journalists, and security officials at Rockefeller Center fraudulently... Unreadable text. So I don't know what they fraudulently did, but they did something. Under the Freedom of Information Act. All. Orders of NBC executives got the U.S. Federal District's Attorney's Office and got the FBI to get Interpol to establish tax task force that located me in Dover, England. When back home, the Inquirer got union goons from their own employees' union to send down a sports journalist, in quotes, who, with baseball bat, bashed in lights and windows of neighborhood cars, as well as men outside my house. They are stationed there still, waiting for me. NBC, CBS, Group W Westinghouse, Time, Time Warner, Fox, Universal, all of the cult of the hellion, each were much worse than Knight Ritter ever was, mostly hellion Jews. When KYW and NBC executives told John Knight the whole coven gloated on how their Soviet pals had found a way to turn it into a... And that's it. How big is that tile? It's pretty big. You can see pictures of it on the internet. You can Google it. It is Lord. referred to as the manifesto tile. And boy, is that what I would call a manifesto. My favorite part of that was you said um, Hellion Binge Joy. Yes, uh-huh. There, I want that. A hellion binge of joy. A hellion binge of joy. There we yeah. go. That's yeah. my new favorite activity on the weekends. I. That is what I do every weekend. <laughs> That's what all well, the cool now we kids have a name doing. for it. What'd you do this weekend? I just went on like a hellion binge of joy. It was pretty cool. And then I went to brunch. Don't worry about it. Moving on from the hateful manifesto. I'm going to describe the medium and methods of the laying of the tiles. So a message is carved onto a piece of linoleum, not like your lino in your kitchen. It's like industrial super linoleum, I guess. I don't know anything about linoleum. And then two pieces of tar paper are used to cover it, and then it's smothered with glue and asphalt crack filler. So tar, I guess. And then uh, that is laid down in the asphalt of an intersection, with still with a piece of tar paper over it so the sun and then traffic bake and press the tile into the asphalt and by the time the layer of tar paper is worn off the tile is embedded we gotta do it i think we extra have to do it now because it doesn't sound that hard number one and number two we have to like do a cool one because his are dumb and racist yeah, there are some cool ones that um, other copycats have done which i'll talk about in a little while but okay. even i mean there are most of them are hateful but they're not i haven't seen any racist ones from the copycats so that's good any anti-semitic or, or homophobic ones at least so no one has ever been seen laying these tiles except there is an eyewitness account who says he saw a car pull up at an intersection and sit there for a second and then when the car drove away there was a freshly laid toynbee tile mm. where the car was sitting so a the theory clean. is yeah the theory is that Tyler has a car with a hole in the floorboard. So they park over the intersection and drop the tile down through the hole in the floorboard onto the street and drive away, which I think is pretty dang smart. I just got the Flintstones theme song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be one of my uh, out of context 
arts for this episode. <laughs> Me and you laying a tile out of a Flintstone. Out of a Flintstone car, yeah. I like it. Yes. Okay. So, the, according to ToynbeeIdea.com, this is the meaning behind the message. The tiles can be taken literally, and the motivation appears to be the establishment of a human colony on Jupiter, whose ultimate goal would be to, quote, build heaven in space and physically resurrect the dead on a planet large enough to accommodate that staggering number, which would be a lot. I don't even, I should, probably should have looked that up just out of curiosity. Now I really wish I knew. Hey, Google, how many people are dead? All hey, of the Google. dead people are dead. <sighs> Shit. You're welcome. Thank you. So Tyler didn't believe in an automatic afterlife, but instead believed that if one was going to exist, it was up to us human beings to physically make heaven. Um, and so this is the plan, again, according to Toynbee Idea. Dot com. Step one, you drop dead and rot away. Your consciousness consciousness goes with it. Step two, humans decide to build heaven and space on a planet suitable to house everyone who has ever lived. Step three, and this is the easiest one, just terraform Jupiter. Oh, oh. got it. I'll get right on it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Step four. Find a way to recombine the pattern of molecules that has made up your physical body. A perfect replica brings rise to the consciousness that was and always will be you. And voila, afterlife. It's like making a quiche. It's that it's easy. So, it's you just reach into the fridge, grab those molecules, take them up to <laughs> Jupiter, bake a quiche, your spirit comes back to your body and wham bam. All the trillions of dead people are hanging out together on Jupiter. Wham, bam, thank you, Jupiter. Wham, bam, thank you, Tyler. <laughs> so the, the Tyler claimed he came across this idea by combining a passage from Arnold Toynbee's autobiography called Experiences with the movie 2001 by Stanley Kubrick. A space odyssey. Oh, that was weird. You froze, and instead of it just being quiet like usual, it was like, uh, Space Odyssey! Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> and for a Don't second, I thought you were doing that on purpose. No. Shoo, it's getting super hot up in here. All right, so Arnold Toynbee was a 20th century British historian and philosopher, and he was most interested in the philosophies of culture and history, and uh, he liked to ask questions about the success and failure of individual human civilizations. He also, and this isn't relevant, but I just thought it was super interesting, wrote a 12-volume study of history, which is the largest single work in the human language ever published. So this guy's got a lot of stuff to say. Wow. And I'm going to read you the passage from his book, Experiences, which seems to be the main inspiration for this, for Tyler. Human nature presents human minds with a puzzle which they have not yet solved and may never succeed in solving for all that we can tell. The dichotomy of a human being into soul and body is not a datum of experience. No one has ever been or ever met a living human soul without a body. Someone who accepts, as I do myself, taking it on trust, the present-day scientific account of the universe may find it impossible to believe that a living creature, once dead, can come to life again. But if he did entertain this belief, he would be thinking more, quote, scientifically, if he thought in the Christian terms of a psychosomatic resurrection 
than if he thought in the shamanistic terms of a disembodied spirit. Okay, sure, why not? Sure, why not, Arthur? Excuse me, Arnold, whatever. Toynbee. I don't know what... The, the, what is... What is the Christian psychosomatic resurrection? What is that even the, supposed to mean? Just the resurrection? Like, I guess. Like I don't, why is it psychosomatic? I don't know. I've got a lot of questions. I don't for, know. Maybe they, i got to read that 12 volume. It was psychosomatic. Sure, why not? I understood all of that. Oh, yes. As, yes. I'm, sure, <laughs> as I'm sure you did as well. Okay, and if you don't know, Stanley Kubrick was, a, was an American film director. And 2001 A Space Odyssey was based on a short story by Arthur C. Clarke, the amazing sci-fi writer, um, called The Sentinel. And Kubrick and Clarke wrote the script together, um, and it, it was a metaphor-heavy screenplay that gave rise to a lot of interpretations. While few may agree on what exactly happens in the film, its spiritual and philosophical intensity is undeniable, which I would agree with. It's undeniably intense. It's pretty intense. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke wrote another short story called Jupiter 5, which involved a spaceship named the Arnold Toynbee that was on a mission to Jupiter and contained some elements that are similar to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, pretty crazy. Jupiter also figures prominently in 2010, the sequel to 2001, which I've never seen. Uh, Toynbee himself never talks about Jupiter directly. Some have interpreted the planet seen in the final moments of 2001 as Jupiter, although people argue about that because if there's one thing people like to do, it is fucking argue. Over dumb shit, too. Over dumb, yeah, over interpretations. It's called an interpretation for a reason. You can have different ones. I have an interpretation of this film, and it's correct. No matter what you say, my version is correct. Yes, and my penis is enormous. All right. There is some speculation that the Toynbee in the tiles may refer to a story by Ray Bradbury, who, uh, which was called the Toynbee Convector, oh. which alludes, yeah, it's 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 a lot of stuff. There's a lot of layers, layers and ideas. like that blooming onion. Oh my God! Just like a blooming onion. <laughs> I gotta go to Outback now. Bye. Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> so the Toynbee Convector alludes to Toynbee's ideas that in order to survive, humankind must always rush to meet the future and believe in a better world, which I high five Ray Bradbury. God, I love that man. And must always aim far beyond what is practically possible in order to achieve something barely within reach. So true. That's cool. I just started mm -hmm. reading a Ray Bradbury book. Oh man, I love it. So good. So the message just might be that humanity should strive to colonize Jupiter or some other big, huge idea and that we could just survive in some other way, a smaller way, if we just strive for that big, giant idea, which I'm behind that. I think we should apply that to climate change right now. Like, let's just do everything all at once and maybe fucking one thing will be done and we won't die. Cool. Thanks. I, I'm trying to back away from a microphone because I'm yelling. It's okay. You can yell. Okay. So, Tyler is a real person. There has to be at least one real person doing this. Yes. Um, and, and the identity of Tyler is under... Uh, people are arguing about that, too, of course. And there's lots of theories and weird things. And they name the guy 
that they think it is in the documentary, and and I'll get to that. So, okay, a phone call was received by a Philadelphia journalist in 1983 from a man calling himself James Marasco, who said he was a social worker fronting an organization called the Minority Association. They and they sought to use science to resurrect the dead on Jupiter. Marasco told the journalist Clark De Leon. Did I say that was his name? That's his name. No, you didn't yet. Okay. The journalist's name is Clark DeLeon. So he told DeLeon that the planet Jupiter would be colonized by bringing all the people on Earth who had ever died back to life and then changing Jupiter's atmosphere to allow them to live. So simple. God, people. He went on to say that he had this revelation while reading the work of Arnold Toynbee and the psychedelic final scene of Kubrick's 2001 depicts this arcane process, according to this caller. And there was a real social worker in Philadelphia by that name who passed away in 2003, but he, while he was alive, and his widow both say he had nothing to do with the tiles. And I guess there's not a lot of evidence um, to prove that he had anything to do with it. Some people think that it was inspired by a play called 4AM by the playwright David Mamet. Oh. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I've heard of that. Um. Well, and when I say some people, um, I mean David Mamet thinks that. <laughs> oh, okay, great. <laughs> uh, 4 my play was a... so inspiring. Oh my god, I inspired so many people with my play. It was so good. My penis is huge. <laughs> enough, enough penis talk. Just kidding. No, we have to do one that. more because the rule of three. That's true. Um, we'll talk about penises when you're talking. Okay, okay. It'll never happen again. All right, so... <laughs> In the play of 4 a.m., uh, Larry King is doing his radio show. It's not really Larry King. It's like a Larry King-like person. Impersonator? Impersonator. It's Larry King impersonator has a radio show. <laughs> and a listener calls in and talks about how 2001 A Space Odyssey is based on Arnold Toynbee's writings. And the host points out all the logical flaws in this caller's plan. And I guess it's just, just part of the play. I don't know. I've never seen it. So in the documentary Resurrect Dead, the researchers claim that the tiles can't be based on the play. Instead, that the play is based on the tiles. Because the play is based on a 1980 call from the Tyler, from Tyler to Larry King's radio show. It's a real call. And the media's reaction to, the Tyler's, to Tyler's ideas, as shown in 4AM, could be the reason some tiles contain negative and violent messages about journalists in the media. I tend to think that this person, Tyler, is just very paranoid. Paranoid people love to talk about media and Jews, so... Yeah, I think he had a, an issue, or three, or five. At least five. So, there is a tile that contains an address... Um, for in Philadelphia. The tile is in South America, but the address on the tile is an address in Philadelphia. And the man who lived there, Julius Railroad Joe Paroli, was a railroad railroad worker, but he died in 1987. So it couldn't so, have been him. Can't be old Railroad Joe. And the current uh, current resident of the address also denies any connection to the tiles. I'm going to read... From ToynbeeIdea.com again, and then what they think. Tyler is an anonymous Philadelphia-born artist whose uncle was a politically connected funeral director, another relative was the inventor of the instant replay, 
Other close family members were artists, mechanics, and even one owned a tile store. Tyler was born in the 50s and grew up in that mix of creative people in his family. He was a fan of science fiction and also had skills in car modifications, Mm. which included installing vinyl lettering and artwork on commercial vehicles. So there you go. That's a lot of evidence. So it and... He also designed the car for the popular cartoon, The Flintstones. Everybody knows that. In the documentary, Resurrect Dead, the researchers claim the tiles were the work of the same Philadelphia man. And so on the website and on other places on the internet, people have said, look, we know this guy's name. We're not going to say it on, on this particular website. But they say it in the documentary and they say it on other um, on other websites. So I was going to so ask. Are we saying we, it? Or I don't know. It? I don't know how I feel weird about it. So I guess I'm going to say his name. Okay. Because I stand behind whatever you want to do. All right. I'm just going to preface it by saying that he has not responded to claims that he is Tyler and he wants to be left alone. So if you, one of you turkey buzzards, gets a wild hair up your ass and decides you want to investigate this, just leave him alone. Okay? Gah. So I'm going to say it. Severino. Sevi Verna, which is an amazing name. He's a recluse. Name. Yes. He's a recluse who used the name James Marasco as an alias. Verna's parents owned a funeral home when he was growing up, and apparently he had an obsession and fear of death. So, which makes sense why he would be obsessed with these resurrection ideas. Yeah. I read somewhere that he would take dead pigeons and cover them in cement when he was a kid. Like, put them in a bucket, cover it in cement, in the hopes that he could preserve them or resurrect them. That might be total bullshit, but it's pretty creepy and kind of of indicates that there might be a little instability going on in there. I mean, no, and I'm not, everyone's unstable in some way. (laughs) I'm not throwing shade at Sevi. So regardless of who Tyler is, there have been other copycats over the years. One of whom is a graffiti artist who's also totally anonymous, and their name is Stickman. S-T-I-K-M-A-N, which I, in my head, always read Stickman. So I'm going to call him that, Stickman. Stickman has made some Toynbee-inspired installations of this humanoid robot figure that the Stickman who apparently has appeared in every major city in the United States. It's a very primitive little humanoid figure. Every, wait, did you say every city? It said that on the website, every major city in the U.S. I'm like, okay, calm down. Every Stickman. major city, okay. Yeah. Every single city and every single state. I was going to say, that's a lot of work, man. That is too much work. You'd have to, it's got to be a group of people either way, I think. Like like the second copycat that I read a lot about, and I've got some some doozies. And this is the most prolific copycat, and it's called House of Hades. And according to reports, House of Hades has probably laid around 100 tiles as of 2012. And since then, there's have just been probably hundreds more. The text on the House of Hades tiles varies, but... A lot of them, the ones that I saw, said House of Hades on the top of the tile. Like, they're very clear about who is making these titles. And they do talk about Toynbee and Jupiter and Kubrick. 
but they also have a lot of anti-media messages. And I will read you some of those now. So get ready for some hateful talk. One Man versus American Media in Society, 2017. Media must be reduced to ash in society. End media control. Resurrect truth in society in 2008. Don't let them get away with what they've done. This is one of my favorites. Endless pain to the media machine. It sounds like some butthole on Facebook. Just like, be quiet. We get it. It's in all caps. Yeah. Uh, apparently the New York Post is working to destroy all of us, just so you people know out there. The resurrection of Toynbee's ideas in the glory of the Empire State. <laughs> this is another good one. I'm making glue tiles with the bones of dead journalists. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should start a band called the Dead Journalists. Then, then there's this weird Polish angle where some of them are actually in Polish, and they'll contain phrases such as holy death and bring me a journalist's hand. Just the hand, though, not the whole journalist. I fled to Krakow, Poland in June 91 to escape torture by media thugs. Shoes of cement for media swine. Art detox. That's a phrase I actually like a lot. I'm going to do an art detox. Detox yourself with art, people. Detox your third eye. There's some that talk about high society crimes, um, and a lot about society is just where we all suck, which I have to agree with you, House of Hades. Murder every journalist, I beg you. No, sorry. Beg you. I, I'm begging you, please go out there and just murder journalists. I don't get it, really. If you have a problem with journalism, why don't you just become a journalist and just be a better journalist? That's a better solution than murdering people. Um, this is the best one. This plaque, this tile was dedicated to the complacency of the U.S. population at large. And there's another one I could get on board with. We are complacent as fuck! And we need to, we need to, you know, probably do some shit, but not the murdering or cutting off hands or giving yeah, we, people cement shoes. We don't need to do that. No, not no. that part. That is the, like I said, that's the most prolific copycat. And there are even more of the House of Hades ones that are simpler and more elaborate and they've got they're they've got they've gotten to the point where it's like mosaics of little multicolored pieces of tile that are really beautiful. It's really confusing. And this whole thing has just made me feel all kinds of stuff. I'm inspired and grossed out and intrigued and sad. But I will refer you to instructions on how to make your own Toynbee tile in a book called Recipes for Disaster, an Anarchist Cookbook, a Movable Feast by Crime Inc. Workers Collective, which you can find on the internet. All right. So there you go. Thank you. As we're, we're totally making them. We're going to have to make a Toynbee tile. Okay. So I have to ask because it's like a part of the show. It's required. <laughs> so is any of this real or what part of this? Do you think is real? I guess is the better question. Ah, uh, what in the world? I I think it's probably that guy you said, because he has all the surroundings of death in his youth, and uh, his family was funeral directors, and he worked on cars, so he could have easily put a hole in the bottom of his car. And yeah, and he he had a relative with a tile shop. Mm-hmm. He had access it's to just tiles. The elements are coming together. 
And I can see, like, those last ones are weird because I can see what you would mean by the media. Like, our media is pretty fucked up. However, we actually need journalists. They're good. Journalists are good. Yes, journalists so, are good. But I feel giant, like the person maybe was they confused. mean. Yeah, well, yeah. I, if you want to talk shit, you should be more specific. Like, do you mean media conglomerations, like giant corporate media? Because, yeah, yes. fuck that. I agree. But, I, I mean, not. Not to the point of committing crimes, of course. Can we resurrect the dead on Jupiter? Oh, yeah. That's easy. <laughs> like, that's just one, two, three, four. That's a four-step process. Four steps. Yeah. We got <laughs> no this. No big deal. It's no big deal at all, everybody, if you just have a free couple of hours. Resurrect um, some dead people on Jupiter. And just yeah. help every- If everyone does a little at a time, we'll get it done. <laughs> everybody chip in. And eventually, there'll just be trillions of zombies on Jupiter. So. Oh, God. Oh, it's just the worst idea ever. Yeah, Resurrecting it's pretty out all there. of the dead people. No, 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 no. They probably don't no. want to be. Do they have... You have not... You, you need to get their consent, first of all, before you go resurrecting people. Thank you. I agree. Because what if people are fine where they are? They don't want to be... They don't want their molecules to come back together. They're like trees and clouds and stars. They're good. Let them be. Leave my molecules alone after I die. That's my Don't wish. Don't touch my molecules. I gotta put that in my will now, apparently. D- leave my molecules alone. Don't put me on Jupiter. I'm we should good. totally put that. If if <laughs> if we colonize Jupiter with zombies, please do not make me one of the said zombies. Please. I, thank no, you. thank you. I do think that this guy is possibly, like, um, extremely paranoid. It's kind of one of those people that's... Well, you said he's reclusive, so I think there might be a little bit of mental health stuff going on where he's super paranoid. And I've known people that were on the edge of this. It seemed like they were on the edge of it where, like, everything's a conspiracy. Everything's a problem. Everybody's in on something. Everyone's out to get you. And you're like, yeah. oh, oh, you're one step away. You're one step away from something not great. So Don't take any acid or don't take too much acid, whoever you are. Or take or start microdosing acid every day and maybe oh, you'll Lord. feel better. <laughs> Sure, why not? One or the other. <laughs> the other option is you sitting in your basement with your tinfoil hat on in front of the computer. I'm going to... Let me slip you some acid. Oh, Lord. I'm going to dose you. Or some, some mushrooms or something, man. Come on. Get out of that basement. Some... Go talk to somebody. Anyway, yeah. I think it's probably the guy. And, uh... Yeah, you should watch the documentary. It's very... It's compelling. For sure. What was his but name? this guy does not Sevi? want any attention. That's because he's paranoid and he's right reclusive. Yeah, and I just like you know leave him alone. I don't want anything to do with whoever wrote those tiles. Really, they're quite disturbing. Yeah, and here's my here's my takeaway. If you're interested in these, like I am, and you think it's awesome, and you like the idea of guerrilla messaging, or um, what's that called? Culture jamming. Whatever you want to do, do some of that mischief we were talking about, tactical frivolity. If you're into it, then make your own. Or find some way to support somebody who's making their own, or f- do some other weird shit. Support like that. your local Tyler. Support your local Tylers and your local tacticians of frivolity. And that's not a word. I made that up. Um, also, I like the the whole Bradbury idea about like if you're gonna if we're gonna get anything done, we should shoot for a huge, amazingly unattainable thing and maybe we might actually get something done <laughs> yes 
shoot for the moon and you'll end up in the stars. What is that what they say? Something like that. <laughs> Ray Bradbury said it better. Like like most things, probably. Yeah, he really did. Alright, so that's the Toy Tiles. Thank you. That is weird and interesting. and I, I did know, not know about it? it. Are you really enjoying None of This Is Real? You know, the podcast you're listening to? But you kind of wish you could get paid to listen to it? Well, the PodCoin app actually pays you to listen to this podcast and all your favorite podcasts because it's the podcast player that pays. You heard of it? If not, don't worry. Super easy. Just get the PodCoin app on iPhone or Android, sign up, and start listening to podcasts. You'll earn PodCoins. You'll either earn gift cards or you can donate to charity. It turns your podcast listening into actual dollars. I use the PodCoin app now to do all my podcast listening, and I love it. Go on there on your app store, your Android store, whatever store you got going on over there, and check it out. Use the invite code NOTREAL, and you'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up. That's 300 PodCoin for signing up with the PodCoin app using the code NOTREAL. Goodbye. All right. Well, I have a weird thing to tell you. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. You Are know you how serious? we do... Sometimes you tell me a thing and then I tell you a thing. Oh, yeah. I cool. have All a right. thing. Well, what is it? What's your thing? Show me your thing. I'll show you my thing. See it? Oh, my God. What is that? <laughs> it's my finger. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. Go. I'm going to tell you about the Voynich Manuscript. <gasps> Yay! I'm excited. So... My sources are the Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library's website, a YouTube video called Voynich Manuscript Revealed, who is, it's narrated by a guy who sounds just like Christian Slater, and a Ted Ed video called The World's Most Mysterious Book. So the library that you call, that you said, the first one, is that a real library? Uh Uh-huh. The Beinecke, oh, sorry. I... The Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library website. It's at Yale. Let's go. Okay. Okay. So, the Voynich Manuscript is a mysterious, undeciphered 240-page manuscript that has been recently carbon dated to the year 1420. So, it's rather old. The only copy in existence lies in Yale's... At Yale University's Beinecke Rare Book and Manuscript Library. Want to go to there. <laughs> I want to see it. It contains both magical and scientific looking colorful illustrations, including real and unidentifiable plants. So some that people can identify like that's a sunflower. Some of them better know what the plants are. It also contains like pictures of nude women bathing, astrological charts, Suns and moons with faces and floating castles. Floating castles. That's what Levon and I have been drawing all week See? in our sketchbook. It's floating castles. That's also, awesome. I hope someone someday describes me as magical and scientific looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'll describe you as that next time. I'd... Oh. oh, you know my friend Sarah? She's magical and scientific looking? Yeah, yeah, her. It's her. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. That, that lady. So... <laughs> Based on the subject matter of the drawings, the contents of the manuscript seem to fall into six sections. So these six sections are botanicals containing drawings of 
like I said, identifiable and unidentifiable plant species. The second section is astronomical and astrological drawings, including astral charts with radiating circles, suns and moons, zodiac symbols, and nude females emerging from pipes or chimneys and courtly figures. And I'm not sure what those have to do what? with astronomy or astrology, but... Yeah, I'm trying to, like, is there a metaphor we're trying to be getting here, buddy? Nude uh, females emerging from coming pipes. out of chimneys. And courtly <laughs> figures. First of all, you'd be filthy, and I feel like that would hurt. Don't yeah. get in a chimney naked. Don't do it, everybody. That's the okay. public service announcement for this week. There's someone listening to our podcast right now that was just had one foot in the chimney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. You're right, you're right. This is a bad idea. <laughs> okay, the third section is a biological section containing drawings of miniature female nudes, most with swollen abdomens, and okay. they are immersed or wading in fluids and oddly interacting with interconnecting tubes and capsules. What the actual fuck? I don't know. They're women with swollen bellies. So maybe they're pregnant. Swimming around in some... Okay, so pregnant ladies in fluid. I don't know what it's about. I, I don't either. It sounds really... sounds creepy. Also, number four, this is the fourth section, is an elaborate array of nine cosmological medallions. Many are drawn Ooh. across several folded folios and depict possible geographic forms. So I imagine this as like it's drawn across two pages, right? So I guess they're big, elaborate um, cosmological medallions. Oh yeah, I've got some of those hanging on the wall. Oh, right yeah, over yeah, here. yeah. Um, the fifth. Maybe section... we should post some pictures of these things too. Yeah, we should. The fifth section is pharmaceutical drawings of over 100 different species of medicinal herbs and roots, and they're portrayed with jars or vessels in like red, green, or blue. And okay. they look like old school pharmacy. Yeah, for real. When you go to Old Salem, there is a an apothecary you can tour. And the main room of the apothecary has all kinds of jars with, like, normal stuff that we use and eat to this day. spelled really weirdly. Um, and also a big jar of leeches, like live leeches. No. I was there with a bunch of first graders. And all the children were looking at this jar like, what's that? Sarah and I'm like, uh huh, just leeches. I don't want to tell you what they used to do with them. No, because your parents will be mad at me. <laughs> so nasty. Okay, yeah. The sixth section is uh, just continuous pages of text. So people think they might be recipes, and then they have these little star-like flowers that mark each entry in the margins. So okay. like they were taking notes. Seems like. Yeah, this is. My, I'm citing my sources. Yeah. <laughs> So this manuscript contains a looping and unidentifiable script. So it can't it has not been fully interpreted yet and cryptologists say that the writing has all the characteristics of a real language but nobody has been able to translate it. It that appears is crazy. Also yeah. I want to be a cryptologist. I just like to say cryptologist. It's fun. So it seems like the writing was done by at least two people and the painting was done by another person. So people think that the three humans of some sort had a hand in making this manuscript. 
So far, though, it's been impossible to say exactly where it came from. But they do know, um, what, what I can tell you, is that the Voynich Manuscript is named after a Polish-American antique bookseller, Wilfred M. Voynich, who acquired okay. it in 1912 at a Jesuit college in Italy. So, how did it get to the Jesuit college in Italy? I don't know! Here's <laughs> a, I do have some theories. Maybe, Yay, theories! Maybe this will help. So there are three main theories. And one is that it's written in cipher so that it's, it's a code. It's a secret code for something else. I need to get to work on decoding this manuscript. I know. We need to get to Jupiter and have the zombies do it. Because I don't oh, have time. Yes. <laughs> if you put 500 zombies on Jupiter with 500 typewriters and 500 manuscripts. Nope. Bye. Okay. <laughs> Eventually they'll make the, the Voynich manuscript. That's it. So the other theory is that it's a hoax and that it was written in gibberish to make money off of gullible buyers. And either it was made by a medieval con man or by Voynich himself because they were hard up for cash. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard that they thought Voynich actually made it himself. That's interesting. Yeah. I do like the idea of a medieval con man. Like, that's probably a real easy job. Everybody was pretty stupid about stuff back then. <laughs> The education was lacking, and everybody yes. had the plague. Um, oh, God, they didn't take baths. Oh, let's not go there. So, and then the third theory that is that it's an actual language. So it's possibly um, a language that was actually spoken, and that's, the authors were attempting to create a written documentation of a, a language that was only spoken up until that time. And then they were trying to make a I like that encyclopedia that contained the knowledge of the culture. Yeah, I really like that idea. That would be cool if that was true. Yeah. Like, oh, we better write this down. Our language is pretty cool. <laughs> Our language is dying, but it's rad. Yeah. Let's document this. And so nobody really knows for sure, like I said, where the document came from. But there are theories about this, too. Some people think that it was written by the 13th century philosopher Roger Bacon. Roger Bacon sounds like a name I would make up when I was being stupid. <laughs> yeah. Roger Bacon. People also think that it was made by the 16th century mystic John Dee, who practiced alchemy and divination. All right. Now, Roger Bacon and John Dee sound like a couple of, like, <laughs> present-day people, right? John Dee sounds like yeah, a rapper. I don't know. Like, they what? sound like normal names, right? Yeah, I always expect his names from medieval times to be way more complicated than just Roger Bacon and John D. So, and then here's another theory, and this is the one I'm going to go with that I will think of as true from now on. Okay. It was made by a coven of Italian witches. Ooh, I, I do like, like this one. Which makes sense to me because... They're like, it's this dude, it's this old dude, it's this old dead white guy. No, it was probably some women, because... It's always an old dude. <laughs> it's got... Yeah, what if it was a coven that made up their own language? Yeah, I think so. And I think you would have had to have at least one woman to have, like, that... Not that men can't be artistic, but, like, it seems like a nice balance of science and medicine and art. And to be that balanced, you would have to have maybe at least one woman and a guy. Maybe one of the three people that 
to yeah. speculate it was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, but maybe it was just a coven of witches who were really smart, but just bad at botany. <laughs> so they made up their own plants or, yeah. <laughs> or they were real plants and they, they got lost or they died off or something. Well, that just makes me sad. I don't want to think of that one. Okay. Don't think about it. <laughs> Like I said, um, no one has been able to translate the text in the manuscript thus far. Um, so the clues have been just based on the drawings until recently. Do you what? know? Did you know? <laughs> okay, this is the thing I'm really excited about. Last, This is a development as of last year. Okay. There are three people who have worked together just like the three people they think wrote the manuscript. These three people have worked together to form a theory and a plausible translation. Plausible? Yeah. Okay. Plausible. I'm ready for it. So, a Turkish electrical engineer named Ahmet Ardik. I think I'm saying his name right. The C has one of those little thingies on the bottom. So I don't know if I'm saying it right. But oh lord, don't ask me. It's a cool I, name either way. I'm gonna say it like um, reading it. So. He began to study the manuscript, and he recognized a character in the text, and he realized that the structure of the words and the sentences were similar to that of his native Turkish language. So one of these little symbols looked familiar, and some of the the patterns looked familiar, and he was like, huh, this is interesting. So in addition to his electrical engineering career, he has studied the roots of the Turkish language for 25 years, so he's of pretty qualified. He <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe a Turkish scholar has never looked at it before. Maybe not. Maybe they were busy huh. doing other stuff. So he started by relating seven characters from the Voynich manuscript to his native language. And he introduced the project then to his two sons, Ozan and Alp, uh, or Alp. And they started working on deciphering it as a family. Oh, my God. That's so fucking cute. Isn't it the best? So his sons are um, in in this video that I watched. They look like they're in their early 20s or maybe even like 19 or something. Old enough to start researching stuff. Right. And they're not like seven and eight years old. (laughs) My six-year-old son has solved the Voynich manuscript. Great job. They deduced that the writer of the manuscript used phonemic, 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 or orthography. (laughs) This is a weird word. (laughs) Say it one more time. Phonemic orthography. Phonemic orthography. This is the practice of spelling things just as you would hear them, which totally backs up the theory that it was a spoken language people were trying to write down. What? That is so rad. Isn't that cool? So the family also realized that the manuscript is written in a poetic and a rhythmic structure. They could see from the different patterns in the characters that there was a structure that mirrored that of a poem, right? So there's like a rhythm. Okay. A rhythm. That's cool. They identified several recurring words, so they, they would look all through the manuscript and find words that matched each other and then they found similar words in old turkic so arctic and sons then compared some of the words 
with the illustrations on the page. For example, one page contains what looks like a zodiac wheel with the sun in the middle. So they knew that the 12 sections labeled would either be uh, months of the year or the signs of the zodiac. They found that they're probably months of the year they were able to identify the words, I think it was um, October, July, and December. They were able to find five months that matched up. And so the alphabet, they found that the alphabet used to write the manuscript was comprised of 24 basic characters and over 62 combined letters or characters. So some of the combined characters actually have a numerical value. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gosh, that's complicated. Yeah. So it's a big, complicated language. And then eventually they tested their theory by translating a full page of text. Holy shit. So this is a page that contains an illustration of tall sunflowers drawn in green, yellow, and blue with these large brown roots extending to the bottom of the page. And I'll just read you the first part of it because it's long. Okay. But the Arctic family translated the entire page starting with... If you were to cleave it, this harvestable, sunny, multi-ended flower with its flat, oval-like, loose, and sticky seeds will be split and scattered. And then it goes on to describe the flower and its seeds in great detail. Um, it describes how the flower behaves and how to harvest it and eat the seeds. What? That is so cool. So it's kind of like, it seems like it's probably an almanac and like a recipe book or with like home remedies and cures and stuff. That's what it seems like to me, which makes me think the witches yeah. wrote it. Cause that's what witches do. Turkish witches, old, old timey Turkish witches. Maybe they made, maybe the Italian witches made up their own language. And that is where the Turkish language came from. No, no, nope. <laughs> makes sense. Nope. <laughs> No, no, Good try. No, my, Valiant effort. God, I just wanted to make a theory. At the time of the video, like I said, this was last year, they had identified over 300 words and estimated that they would be able to translate about 30% of the manuscript. Holy cannoli. 30%. So the mystery is being solved, like, right now. <laughs> so cool. That is so exciting. So it's, like, maybe, like, a proto-Turkish dialect that has since become, just no one uses it anymore. Or if they were Italian, which is they were like, let's use this obscure Turkic language that no one's even written down and no one will know what this says. Okay, so I'll just ask you, is any of that real? Hell yeah, it's real. I mean, it's a real book. Real people wrote it. Real people are trying to figure it out and it's happening and it's real exciting. That is so cool. Yeah. Okay, here's my, okay, my theory is that a medieval Turkish con man... Excuse me. Wait, let me start over. Medieval Turkish con woman who was in a coven uh, was a like, con listen, witch? Our, a con witch, a medieval Turkish con witch <laughs> was scared that her culture's language was disappearing and the customs and recipes. And she and her sisters were like, listen, we need to write this shit down. So three of them got together and sat down and they had a big meeting of all the Turkish medieval Turkish con witches and they all wrote all this stuff down together it just, just traded hands until it got to that Voynich guy yep I think that's true I, th I, like I am it. so I thought 
like I just wanted it to be witches and now I really really believe it's witches after going over the information a couple times I'm like no no look at it it's it's like a it's like a grimoire it's probably spells and concoctions that's what they're gonna or it translate. could be it's old Turkish farmers making an almanac yeah it's an almanac of sorts which yeah. is another you know probably a witch witchy thing to do as well like you know wasn't everything in the medieval times witchy yeah you, you got a document um what happens to the wildlife around you what happens to the flowers and plants around you what you use them for you gotta you gotta i'm just just floored like i love mysteries but i love even more when someone solves a mystery because even if you you know you can never there's a lot of things you can't really ever solve because it's i'm gonna compare it to the tv show lost where every time (laughs) you get an answer a question answered that only leads to you having five to ten more questions. <laughs> five to ten. <laughs> Approximately. Approximately five. Yeah. that's what, And that's what I like about it. I mean, even science works that way because you think you know something and then someone comes along and is like, yeah, that's a great idea you've got there. And there's a lot of stuff that makes sense about what you said. But have you ever thought about it like this? And then you have to go, shit. <laughs> this thing we thought for a real long time is just partly true. We were on the path to being right. Yeah. It's just so every mystery when solved or even partially solved just reveals more mysteries. That's why it's just so exciting. I love it so much and I got really excited cuz I didn't know much about this topic either. It was a really new topic to me. So I went in thinking like, okay, I'm going to tell about some ancient book and how no one knows what it is and then I'm going to say the theories. And then I was like, wait a minute. These guys are translating, and I got really so excited, exciting. and I geeked out. I'm really glad that I haven't gone down the Voynich Manuscript rabbit hole in the past couple years, because if I had, I would have already known that, and I wouldn't be so excited right now. And I got to tell you, yay! I was afraid was like, you were going to know already, and I was like, oh I god, didn't know I hope that she part. doesn't know, I want to surprise her. I didn't. That's really awesome. I'm going to go read about it as soon as we hang up just kidding i have to go hang out with my kid watch that youtube video for attention i will i will he'll probably enjoy the youtube video so we do watch a lot of crazy stuff on youtube the two of us well um speaking of surprises we got a little bit of listener mail (gasps) yes thank you so much oh my gosh it makes me so happy warms the cockles of my cold dead heart (laughs) your heart's alive and warm (laughs) and bloody okay so ooh, ooh, okay you're creeping me out now you're welcome so this is from krista and she just gets right to it she says hi love hi love here are some creepy things just <laughs> thank what you. we this is how for. everyone should start any kind of correspondence to <laughs> us thank you yes it says the other day at work the cabinet in front of me opened on its own <laughs> no thank you it's a haunted like it. work cabinet those are the worst <laughs> Yeah, not only you're trying to work, you just you probably don't want to be there. And then there's a ghost. No, no. Keep the ghosts in your house where you can deal with them on in your free time. Okay. Anyways, then the email says, then the next day at my house there was a knock on my door in the morning, but no one was there. No package or anything either. No package. That's just disappointing. I know. It's a disappointing ghost. I don't know. Most people, if you knock on their door. You have to get away pretty quick for them not to see you. So that is one fast ghost is what you're saying. It's a very fast ghost that followed her home (laughs) from work. And then it also says, oh, no, don't scare Krista too bad. (laughs) 
sorry, Krista. <laughs> You're haunted. Um, then the email says, also last year at work, I was there alone and I looked down at my landline phone and the red light was on, which means someone was on the phone. And then in all caps, but no one was home but me. <gasps> Krista, I've got, it's, the, it's my boyfriend ghost from like the first episode. Remember oh, Philip, yeah. the businessman? Philip, the businessman business ghost. He likes to mess or, with your papers and. That's true. Business or. Things. Or it could be from the episode we did about infrasound, where there's a big fan in her office that creates a frequency that makes her hallucinate. Christo, we need to know. Go check it out. Is there a giant fan in your office or a hot businessman ghost? <laughs> Shuffling papers. So then she just says, ha ha, creepy. I'll send any other things your way. That happened to me. XO Krista. Thank you, Krista. Th- those are weird. I don't see one, yes. just one of them by themselves. I would be like, ah, well, just a door opened. Or why well, someone was playing, you know, they were knocking on your door and running away. But the three those, together, I don't like it. But listen, listen, Krista, sweetie, we got to break it to you. You're haunted. Okay. And so what you're going to need to do is you're going to get <laughs> just kidding. I don't know what to do. You're not haunted, and I don't have answers. What you're going to need to do is resurrect the ghost on Jupiter. That's it! And then it'll leave you alone. Yeah, send it to Jupiter with all the other ghosts. Oh, man. Thank you so much, Krista. Yeah, thank you. If any other of you turkey buzzards have some creepy weird stories, your experience with eating a blooming onion... um, A a really crazy dream about a stand-up comedian that you once had... I've had several of those, actually, now that I think about it. I won't talk about the other ones. But, okay. Um, yeah, have you... Tell you, me in private. Have, I will. Have you, uh, have you experienced a hot businessman ghost? Yes. If you have done any of those things or more, anything weird you want to tell us, please write us at noneofthisisrealpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, or you could send us an audio file of your beautiful, melodic, turkey buzzard voice. Telling us something that is real to you, or something that scares you, or any bit of wisdom or silliness, really. Your favorite conspiracy and, theory. Oh yeah, that's a good one, and we'll play it at the end of the show. Yeah, and we'll and we'll be forever grateful. We will be forever grateful, and please follow us on Instagram. You'll only be doing yourself a favor. <laughs> it's it's a something. It's something's going on there i do if i do say so myself there's something going on on our instagram it's none of this is real podcast and you can also slide into our dms if you so choose i mean please slide up in there (laughs) slide up in there check out our patreon what else anything uh rate and review like we said at the top um you know tell everybody to give us a listen and you know if they don't like it that's fine not for everybody i realize i i personally am maybe an acquired taste i get it (laughs) it's an acquired taste and one more thing i want to make sure that you know that you don't have to believe in any of this you really shouldn't believe in any anything we say but you should believe on yourself believe all over yourself as a matter of fact do it we we believe on you all over you Love you. Bye. Goodbye. Tim, what is real to you? Ooh. I think think there's two things. There's one thing that we all agree upon, which is like sort of communal reality. And then there's sort of the like little miniature lenses that everyone 
looks through their own and like they look they have it for themselves right so like I like pride myself on being really scientific but mentally I still if I get out of bed at night I still can't stop myself from trying to get back in bed before the toilet's finished flushing because that means I'm safe from the monsters it does it does mean that yeah <laughs>